Meditation. 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 Depending on the quality of my mind. You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, I feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice calm. I can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala New York Podcast. And I'm Dave, your host. Thank you for listening to the podcast yet again. Is it hopeless? Is this, is this whole thing for nothing? Is that sometimes how you feel? Like all is lost, there's no point. Well, what if it was the case that it wasn't all hopeless? What if it was the case that everyone, including yourself, was fundamentally good, basically good, uh, fundamentally pure, and so everything was workable from this aspect? Sounds ridiculous, maybe. Or maybe it sounds like uh, an impossible dream. Or maybe it sounds like a bunch of spiritual nothing mush talk. Well, if this is an idea that's supposed to be useful to people, practical to people, how does it actually work? Well, that is the topic of today's talk by Natalie Baker. Natalie Baker is a psychotherapist and a meditation teacher in New York. And this was recorded at our weekly Dharma gathering a couple weeks ago. Hey, visit our website, ny.shambhala.org, for all of our upcoming courses and weekend retreats. Also, our upcoming week-long retreat, the Meditation in the City Retreat, is coming up in August. From August 17th to the 24th, you can meditate in a retreat environment in the middle of New York City. If you can't do the whole week, you can just do the first weekend or by the day, whatever works for your schedule. For more information and to register, click the link on the homepage, nyachambala.org, for the Meditation in the City Retreat. Okay, here is Natalie Baker. So tonight, um, given everything that's going on, all the messes we have in our inner, outer, and societal level, I thought it might um, it might be good to talk about how it is in the Shambhala teachings that it's possible to clean up our messes and how we do that. And I want to start by uh, reading a quote from um, Shogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, who was the founder of the Shambhala centers. Um, he was a Tibetan Buddhist teacher who came to America in 1970. He fled Tibet in 1959 when the Chinese invaded. And he had a strong connection with the Shambhala teachings uh, which predate this time and place. They originate in Tibet and Tibetan Buddhism. But he also received a whole series of Shambhala uh, wisdom teachings when he came here to the US. And those teachings are in a series of, of books, one being the Shambhala book. And I'm going to start by just reading a little passage, and then we'll, we'll talk about it, and then we'll do some practice together. There is a lot of, um, there are a lot of terms in Shambhala. So forgive me if I read and you're not sure what a term means. We can go back to it later if you have a question. The basis of the Great Eastern Sun vision is realizing that the world is clean and pure to begin with. There is no problem with cleaning things up. If we realize that we are just returning them to their natural original state, it is like having your teeth cleaned. When you leave the dentist's office, your teeth feel so good you feel as though you have a new set of teeth, but actually, but in actual fact, it is just that your teeth are clean. You realize that they are basically good teeth. In working with ourselves, cleaning up begins by telling the truth. We have to shed any hesitation about being honest with ourselves because it might be unpleasant. 
If you feel bad when you come home because you had a hard day at the office, you can tell the truth about that. You feel bad. Then you don't have to try to shake off your pain by throwing it around your living room. Instead, you can start to relax. You can begin, you can be genuine at home. You can take a shower and put on fresh clothes and take some refreshment. You can change your shoes, go outside, and walk in your garden. Then you might feel better. In fact, when you get close to the truth, you can tell the truth and feel great. In this world, there are always possibilities for original purity because the world is clean to begin with. Dirt never comes first at all. For example, when you buy new towels, they don't have any dirt on them. Then you use them. Then they become dirty. But you can always wash them and return them to their original state. In the same way, our entire physical and psychological existence and the world that we know, our sky, the earth, our houses, everything we have was and is originally clean. But then we begin to smear the situation with our conflicting emotions. Still, fundamentally speaking, our existence is all good and it is all launderable. That is what we mean by basic goodness. The pure ground that is always there, waiting to be cleaned by us. We can always return to that primordial ground. That is the logic of the great eastern sun. Okay, well, what did that mean? So now we're going to um, take that and apply it to our very personal situations here in this room. So the basic teaching of Shambhala and Buddhism in general is that our fundamental nature is not actually problematic, but rather it is pure. And so what does it mean that our nature is pure? Well, if you want to suspend your disbelief for a moment, because we all have lots of examples in our head of how we're fundamentally confused or fundamentally depressed or never going to figure things out. In this tradition, what's being taught is that before we have all those thoughts about ourselves and our world, there's something else that's arising. In fact, it's arising simultaneously with all the thoughts that we have about ourselves. And that's a nature that is fundamentally good. And this isn't good as opposed to bad, but as Trump Rinpoche was saying in this lecture, that it's actually never was stained by any confusion, any neuroses. So when um, Trump Rinpoche was introducing this idea to psychologists, he talked about it in terms of fundamental sanity. And so because our nature is fundamentally sane, we can therefore practice meditation. Now, the next obvious question is, well, I don't, I don't, I don't connect with some fundamental sanity all the time. I feel pretty rotten or confused, or I have a whole range of experiences. So why is it that I don't experience this every day? Well, the good news was, is 
that we are fundamentally launderable, as he said. The bad news is uh, there's dirt in the way. So the dirt in our case is both arising every moment by moment, but it's also how we see things. So to explain that in a little more detail, you may have noticed when you were practicing meditation that you gave yourself the instruction to have your attention be on the breath and to stay with the sensations of breathing. And then what happened? Yes, you fell asleep. Anybody get lost in thought? Yeah, yeah. So that's the dirt that's arising, is that in every moment we create this whole conceptual framework and we follow that conceptual storyline over and over and over again. So much so, that often we feel like we're not actually living our lives. Or maybe a better way to say that is we're not present to our lives. But rather, we're a slave to our thoughts, which are often fueled by strong emotions. So there's this constant struggle that's going on between wanting to be present wanting to direct ourselves, but then also finding that it's actually very difficult to do that. That and the fact that we kind of don't know what the deal is. So there's also this sense of being confused on a very basic level. We're not sure what makes us happy, right? We're not sure what this whole world and life is about. And so that basic sense of uncertainty also fuels a lot of fear and a lot of thought. So an analogy that's used when talking about our fundamental sanity or our basic goodness and then what we actually experience in our day-to-day -day lives is the sun with clouds. So the sun represents our basic nature of sanity, which is non-conceptual. It has the qualities of compassion and openness and clarity. And then we have the clouds, which is what we typically experience, which is our strong emotions, our racing thoughts, our sense of bewilderment or confusion, the roller coaster of our day. So when we practice meditation, the whole, the whole reason that we practice meditation is to help us to connect with, or perhaps a better way to say it is to poke holes in that cloud bank so that we can start to experience our basic nature, which radiates, radiates warmth, genuineness. So going back to our topic tonight, which is how do we clean up our messes? I thought one of the things that uh, we could do, if you're, um, if you're up for it, is we could, um, we could work with our emotions, which on an inner level um, is often how we experience the mess, is not knowing how to relate with our strong emotions when they arise. 
Does that sound like fun? So um, let's, take, let's take good head and shoulders. So you can let your bottoms be as they are, but uh, to just have a sense of being an open chest and a strong back. So this communicates our willingness to be open. And in this instance, we're gonna be open to our own immediate experience. So for this exercise, um, I'm gonna have you close your eyes because it's really about um, going inside and being able to connect with your felt experience. We'll just start by taking a couple of deep breaths. Just allow yourself to actually feel the inside of your body. Notice your rib cage moving. Notice if you're tense anywhere. So we're going to do a practice here to find and work with our emotions. So what I would like for you to do is I want you to uh, think of a, a time in your recent history where you felt uh, a sense of warmth. And it may arise from an experience with another person it may be from an experience with a pet. Maybe something you saw on television. But what I want you to do is to just spend a moment connecting and remembering that experience. So what we're trying to do here is allow ourselves to rouse that emotion a little bit, the emotion of warmth liking, and once you feel like you have some sense of that feeling, I want you just to raise your hand briefly just so I can kind of see where you're all at, and you can put your hands down, thank you. And I want you to notice the narrative. Notice the words connected with that experience. And now what I'd like you to do is to place your attention away from the thoughts and on the immediate experience of the warmth. So you don't have to describe it mentally. You can just be with that experience as a felt experience in your body. You don't have to change it. And then when the feeling dissolves, you can open your eyes again and come into the room. So this time we're going to uh, work with a slightly more difficult emotion. And you know, when you're thinking of a situation, we're gonna use fear next. 
And when you're thinking of a fearful experience, don't make it too fearful. Um, just at a level at which you can uh, feel it in your body. So just to sort of not go for the extreme, extreme things that freak us out, but just to now take your posture again. Just find your breath. Close your eyes. Settle in your body. And now I want you to think of an experience you had where you felt afraid. And again, not to pick one that's too terrifying, but just enough so that you can start to notice the experience of fear in your body. And notice the thoughts connected. Pay attention to what the thoughts are. And then just allow yourself to label those thoughts thinking and find the felt experience of the fear in your body. Allow your attention to rest on those sensations. Just to be present to them. Once the sensation starts to subside, you can open your eyes again. And just sit in the room, feel your body. Now we'll work with the emotion jealousy. And so just to spend a moment to think of an experience you've had, and it could be a minor experience. Again, try not to pick one that's too intense. Allow yourself to replay the story or the experience in your head. Notice the quality of the thoughts. And then label them thinking and bring your attention to the felt experience of jealousy. Notice the qualities of it in your body. Let go of the thoughts about the sensations and allow yourself to just be with them with your immediate experience.
And as it dissipates, you can open your eyes again. Take a deep breath. Allow yourself to be in the room. And this last one, you can pick your own emotional experience. It could be one that you get caught on regularly, or it could be one that is just up for you right now. But just take a moment to think about which emotion that will be for you. And then once you have that emotion and you find a past experience or a narrative that you tell yourself when you have that emotion, allow yourself to think about it enough so that you rouse that experience in your body. And then when you're ready to, to place your attention on the felt experience of that emotion. Let go of the thoughts. Allow yourself to be with that emotion as a felt experience in your body. it dissipates, allow yourself to open your eyes, come back into the room. So uh, anybody uh, willing to offer their, sharing their experience of doing that exercise? I was interested to see how my relationship with everybody in the room kind of changed every time the emotion, like I would go through into the emotion and then open my eyes and here I am again. Mm-hmm. And it's like the relationship was different every single time. Uh-huh. How so? Just, it, just a different flavor. Um, I mean, the first one that we went through, um, the relationship was exactly the same. It was like what I was experiencing in the emotion was the same, the same taste as, every, as coming back. It was like all the people that I was with and that, that was like coming back and it was like the same, it's the same thing. Um, for the others, it was a little different and there was like almost like, um, like those gels that you put over spotlights. Mm-hmm. Thank you. There's uh, someone right here who'd like to. I noticed that with each emotion, I um, felt it very strongly for only a brief moment, and I was just easily distracted and started thinking about something, something different. And I thought that was a, an interesting experience for me because I think regularly I find myself having, for instance, angry thoughts and resentful thoughts and jealous thoughts, or I have been experiencing that very frequently mm-hmm. recently, but then it, through this exercise, it was funny how um, by, by trying to feel these emotions, it felt so kind of funny in a way, unnatural, and I started just thinking about other things. Yeah, they're more fleeting 
than uh, we often think they are. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so coincidental, I'm getting back to uh, education, particularly the value of early childhood education after something like 30 years. And uh, so now social and emotional learning is sort of like, you know, a big theme all over the place. So people say relationships is the focus of your life. Did you ever hear of Alice Miller? Sure. The drama, The Gifted Child. And she said a very simple thing, emotion attaches meaning to experience. Without an emotion, nothing you talk about, read about, or think about makes any sense unless an emotion is attached to it that embodies the thought. And uh, to just get at that, that's pretty basic, you know, and uh, so I was just, when I was hearing these things, I, I, I was almost feeling the sensation like my body was a, like a musical instrument or a violin or something, and I was, was being bowed. And so my body was vibrating with different kinds of levels or, you know, notes or something. And uh, so instead of, you know, I, being afraid of it, it was like to embrace that, uh, you know, this is where meaning and understanding comes from. And just, we're never taught. Mm -hmm which is very strange. So I appreciated it. Thank you. Thank you. What else? What else did people notice? It can be anything. My, uh, my 10-year-old son, um, he, uh, he graduated, you know, ceremony from fifth grade. And it was interesting because he uh, didn't know and that he was going to be getting, like, uh, a certificate. So anyway... The teacher told him, you're going to be getting some, you know, a special prize. So he got this Manhattan Borough Academic Excellence, one of those things that you get from the politicians. At the end, you know, I'm walking with him, and I said, how was it? He goes, Dad, I was shaking. I said, I was so nervous. I couldn't even hold the certificate. And that really, like, it caught my attention, my body and everything. I haven't forgotten that. And I can still mm -hmm. imagine and visualize him saying that to me. And I thought that was very, um, thought that was very um, genuine and beautiful for him to share that. Like mm -hmm. some people never had that opportunity to share as a kid those emotional experiences. Mm -hmm. So, which was my case. So for me to get that from him was like, wow. So there was like a contrast there. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that's interesting, you know, mm -hmm. allowing people, you know, whether it is your kid or your a relative or friend to... Or yourself. Or yourself, absolutely. Yeah, like this. <laughs> yeah. We forget about that. Yourself, uh, it's, it's something, you know, uh, that we have to recognize. Mm -hmm. And I think we were talking here, three of us, about how the body manifests itself. Mm -hmm. You know, and how the body, you know, we're talking about the, the jaw getting tight and how you become aware, you got to just relax because you, you hear that in meditation. So all of that connection, you know, uh, with ourselves and, and the world and each mm -hmm. other is, is a dynamic. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. it, was it easy to drop the story and come into the felt experience? I see a couple of heads going, no. Anybody want to speak to that, what that was like? Hi. Um, depending on the emotion, um, it was easy. sometimes it was easier. Like for me, the warmth one was very easy. I didn't even need the words, the mm -hmm. thinking part, you know. Um, but the anger, the anger was tough because you don't, it's hard for, for me to, to access that because it's unpleasant, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I guess it depends on whether it was ever resolved, that specific moment. So if it was resolved or if the moment I was thinking of, I actually, you know, being angry actually is, is a release for me. So it was hard for me to access it again because it, it was, for me, it was, I'd, you know, I'd released it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Um, I wonder, I didn't know, when, with the warmth, I, what came to mind was an incident that I didn't even really think about that was just a week ago in an elevator. 
and had never given much thought to. But then when we were talking about um, fear, I went way, way, way back to something very, very old. And then when we talked about jealousy, it was a little bit more intermediate. And I just kind of, and the distance I felt to those things was kind of measured by the time mm -hmm. span that those had. And I wondered if that had something to do with how comfortable or something I was with, or what those choices, if there were something to the things that we choose as well mm -hmm. as the feeling. But then when you let go of that, the warm was the easiest for me to feel, mm -hmm. um, you know, followed by fear and then envy was, or jealousy was hardest. But that's just kind of my experience. Thank you. Yeah, we have different relationships with different emotions, right? Some of them we like, some of them we don't like, some of them we identify with as me, some of them we don't have a relationship with. But part of what I, I hope you get from doing this practice and that you might consider to do this practice as a, a spontaneous thing that you can do in any moment is to allow yourself the opportunity to come back into the immediate experience of what we call fear or anger, or jealousy or pride, hopefulness. Allow yourself to develop a relationship with the direct experience of that energy. So in the Buddhist tradition, the emotions are energy. They're not actually concepts, right? But that the energy of emotions perfumes our minds, perfumes our thoughts. And if we believe them to be true and real and meaningful, right, we'll create this very juicy feedback loop where we will generate a feeling or the circumstance will generate a feeling and then we'll have all these thoughts about whatever the situation is which keeps that feeling, reinforces the feeling which reinforces the thinking. And then we get into this experience and then it becomes a belief that, you know, that our our feelings and our thoughts are ever-present and they're solid. But when you practice liberating the thoughts, if you can trust to do that, because, you know, sometimes like when the, the situation that rouses our anger, if that situation isn't resolved, Right? We very much kind of feel like we've got to hang on to that feeling and hang on to that thought because the situation isn't resolved. So when we can practice remembering that we can come back to our immediate experience, we can, we can always go back into the thoughts if we really need them but that if we could just come back into our bodies and into the immediate experience of what's happening in the present moment, which in this case is there are feelings in the body that we call anger, we call disappointment, we call fear. And when we practice that, we can start to develop a different kind of relationship and that relationship is similar to when we are sitting in meditation practice and we practice letting go of thoughts and coming back to the breath, which is how we access our basic sanity or our basic goodness. But we can do it on the spot with our emotional experiences too. So our meditation practice, you know, formally on the cushion, if you have one, right, we let go of the thoughts, we give ourselves the instruction to be with the breath in the present moment. But we can also use other things to wake ourselves up, right? And we can wake up when we're walking down the street, right? And we realize that we're chewing on 
whatever it is, you know. Often it has a flavor of fear and we can wake up to that, right? And we can go, can I just let go of the thoughts and find that experience in my body? Just for a second and then we notice that our fickle minds take us elsewhere, right? For me, negative feelings like anger or fear are associated with um, loss of emotional control mm -hmm. because these are feelings consciously I don't want to have, yeah. whereas feelings like warmth, my conscious self always allows to cultivate. So anger or fear are the most hard to replicate because unless I have this trigger in front of me, they just feel fake if I try to replicate. Mm -hmm. And I guess the unfortunate thing of this is then I overestimate my, my ability, overestimate my ability to avoid next time it will happen again, but yet it happens. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I guess that's a challenge. For positive feelings, it's easy to recreate and understand what causes them. Yeah. But for negative, unless the trigger is there, I, I tend to diminish their importance when I have mm -hmm. some distance. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and you may find that you, don't, you can just work with them when they get triggered, right? right? And then remember that, oh, I'm gonna actually do something different than I normally do, which is just completely let those emotions take over and, and you know, run with the thoughts. I'm gonna actually bring myself back into what's happening in the present moment, my felt experience. And you know, part of what we're doing is we're developing equanimity towards our experience. So within this tradition, everything that arises in your experience is part of the practice. So you work with all of yourself, all of your thoughts and emotions that arise get included on the path. So we're not discriminating in that way but we can use anything to help ourselves uh, wake up and to clear off the mess so that we can actually find the basic sanity in any experience, including fear and anger, which, you know, most of us want to get rid of those emotions. We don't like them, but that's actually very hard to do because we're human, and so we experience fear, and we perceive threats, and so we get angry as a way to protect ourselves. It's just part of what it is to be human. And in the Shambhala teachings, those aspects of our humanity are brought to the path. So when we practice meditation, we're not trying to change who we are. We're not trying to get rid of all of our negative thoughts and only have peaceful thoughts or get rid of our greed or our embarrassment or shame. We're just allowing them to be there. We can bring our immediate attention to that experience. drop the story we have about them. Oh, I'm such a horrible person because I yelled at that woman on the train. How could I have done that? She didn't do anything. Oh, I'm angry. And the anger is going towards this person. Okay, I can let that go. I can let that story go and just be present with that feeling. And then all of a sudden there's more space. Uh, so I've never done something like this before. Uh, I have heard lots of times the idea that thoughts are clouds floating by, don't trust your thoughts, or you know, don't believe your thoughts uh, mm -hmm. or the emotions behind them, they're change and you know, all of that. Um, and it was fast, and of course, I'm happy to embrace warmth. The idea of embracing fear or, or inducing fear mm -hmm. felt almost like um, 
one of those social science experiments that you're not supposed to do on someone. <laughs> <laughs> Did uh, you f sign the release before you came in? There was a. <laughs> I did, and uh, and it felt. Uh, I mean, by embracing or by inducing fear, I recognized that I spend more time in the fear zone than I actually imagined mm. that I did. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was. It was. I mean, it was better. It was interesting on just on that level. Uh, so, I thought I'd just share that. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. I mean, that's, I think, true to most of our experience. And actually, the Shambhala teachings are very much about working with fear. Um, and part of, hopefully, what, what we can discover is that when we stop struggling against what we think we can't be or what we think we're supposed to be, and we just allow ourselves to be, that we actually find that it's, we're much more workable, that we're not so hateable, and that we can allow our fear to be there and be part of our experience or our embarrassment or insecurity or uncertainty or you know, whatever the vulnerable emotions are arising that we don't have to um, shove them in the box, sit on the box, pretend the box isn't there. I've, I've never experienced um, specifically sitting with and trying to conjure up a negative emotion mm -hmm. uh, for the sake of experiencing sitting with it and then allowing the you know, thought that conjured it to go away and still just feel the physical feelings. Um, but I, uh, I'm the first man in the lineage of my family to have any kind of emotional availability. <laughs> and, um, cause I have a really great mom. And, um, it strikes me that it's so important for all people, but so many men have such a hard time mm -hmm. accessing their emotions at all, let alone being able to allow themselves to feel negative emotions or sit with mm -hmm. them instead of trying to avoid them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that creates so much, um, well, confusion for those people, mm -hmm. but then certainly difficulty for the people around them in various ways. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, I just appreciated that as a way to specifically target uh, a negative emotion or a memory of an instance where a negative emotion was brought up as a way to maybe familiarize more with the sort of somatic experience of having that emotion. Mm -hmm. um, and I separately, I guess, just have a question. Yes. In the same way that we recognize in meditative space that we're having a thought, um, within the Shambhala teaching, is it, uh, is there a similar practice with a feeling? You know, to say, oh, I'm, this is a feeling, right? Sure, absolutely. I mean, most of, most of the time, our feelings are infused in our thoughts, right? We're, we're, we're aware, usually more aware of the narrative that, and then we go, oh, there, that's the feeling. Um, sometimes our feelings are so strong, right, that we're just feeling the feeling. But the whole, um, the whole point is that whatever is our immediate experience, that we can bring our awareness to it. So rather than being the emotion, we now have two parts. We have the emotional experience arising, but then we also have the ability to bear witness to it. And like you said, you know, when we have, we grow up in a culture where there's a strong belief around, 
you know, men shouldn't feel their feelings or we shouldn't feel anger or fear or jealousy or whatever, right? That we're starting to sort of pretzel ourselves and think there are some parts of ourselves that are acceptable and we can know. And then there are other parts of ourselves that are unacceptable and we have to try to get rid of them. And that's when we really start to make a mess, is when we try to get rid of the parts of ourselves that we think we're supposed to get rid of or we don't like. And so part of this process of cleaning up our messes is also recognizing we don't have to make such a mess to begin with. We can just, like, like Trump Rinpoche said in that passage, you know, we can just acknowledge to ourselves, I had a bad day. I'm feeling irritable. And just acknowledgement of our experience, right? Now all of a sudden, okay, we're not just being the irritability, right? Or being the irritability but pretending that we're not being irritable, right? Which then is like, for the people around us, <laughs> right? Very difficult, because they're feeling it. And instead, you know, that we can just be direct with our experience. So there's, in this tradition, there's nothing that arises in your experience that is confirmation that there's something wrong with you, that you're not workable. So I, I like to repeat that because we all tend to have a strong belief in the opposite direction, that there is confirmation out there that we are fundamentally a problem, that we constantly have to watch and fix. So everything that arises in your experience, along with that, is your basic sanity. You're never separate. Both arise at the same time. So there's nothing in your experience that you're ever going to experience in your lifetime that boots you out of workable, as worthy of dignity and compassion. So I think we can end here. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Visit our website at ny.shambhala.org for all of our upcoming courses and weekend retreats, including our Meditation in the City week-long retreat beginning August 17th. If you live in a different city, there's probably a Shambhala Meditation Center near you. Look us up. But if you are in the New York City area, the weekly Dharma gathering is every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. You're invited. It's great for newcomers. You can hear these talks live and in person. Okay? Later. <laughs>